This week, I'm sitting down with Gabby Dalkin of What's Gabby Cooking, who I first came to know back in the old school food blogger days. Now she's a mommy to be. God, am I dating myself here? Anyway, Gabby's always made the most crave-worthy yet simple recipes, and she and I share a similar sense of wanderlust. She also works alongside her husband, which has me wondering, how do these two keep date night cute in quarantine? And how do you spark that sense of wanderlust while stuck at home? We talk about all this and more with Gabby in our latest episode. So let's dig in. Well, Gabby, thank you for coming through. I know that you're a busy gal and you've got a major remodel going on. So thanks for shutting that down to talk to me. Thank you. The remodel hasn't quite started yet, but yes, it is going to be an absolute zoo. And I'm so excited to be here with you. (laughs) I love it. Look, girl, I made myself a margarita because I know you're a fan of the Marg. Support Um, you. (laughs) You know, so cheers to you. And, uh, you know, us getting through this quarantine and the travel ban, which I'm so bummed about. I know you travel almost as much as I do. It's wild. Like I, I was probably gone. Like, I mean, for book tour and stuff, I would have been, I would have done 30 cities in 45 days earlier this year, but like, just like fun travel. Like we had, we were supposed to go to Namibia this year and Portugal and which is a huge bummer, but like, it is what it is. We'll go again one day. Totally. Yeah. That book tour, that would have been, man, that would have taken a lot out of you. I would have gotten a lot of miles. I'm very upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be there. I've been using my travel miles actually to buy groceries. Like that was how grim it got. I was like, you know what? We're not going to be going for for a while. And unemployment wasn't coming through. So I was like, okay. Um, Yeah, that was so smart. You know, I mean, they were just sitting there otherwise. And it's like, why am I paying these crazy interest rates and credit card fees if I'm not flexing these points somehow? There Um, you go. But I'm excited for the day that I can use them for travel again. I got to tell you. I literally like shoot me up with a vaccine and put me on a plane. I am ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be the first in line. <laughs> me, me, me. Stop me, please. So you guys were meant to go on safari in Namibia, huh? Yeah, we were going to do another safari with my family. So we went on safari a couple of years ago to South Africa and Botswana. And we've always wanted to do Namibia because it's so vastly different than what South Africa or Botswana looks like. It's so much more high desert and it's just supposed to be impeccable um, as far as safari goes. Not as luxe as South Africa. It's, I don't think the tourism industry is, devel- is as developed, but we were all planning on going. And it. I mean, it's all canceled. Americans aren't allowed in anywhere. So. <laughs> we can't go anywhere. Like we're on no. timeout permanently. We are. So wild. But I mean, I think when you finally do go, it'll make it that much sweeter. I went on Safari yeah. in Botswana and it was the most humbling experience in my life just to like see where it all started. And you really it's, are just like right there with the animals. Like, yeah, oh, it's so magical. I'm so excited. Are you going anywhere like locally in the meantime? Kind of, but not really. We, we are starting this renovation uh, on our kitchen and that's going to be like a solid three months. And I don't really want to just like leave the house during that time because I, we have a cat and I don't want her to be here with all the construction workers and like like feel unsafe. And so I feel like we'll probably just stay put for the next couple of months. And then maybe like around November, December, we'll take some local trips and like go rent a cabin and Big Sur or something cool like that. Yeah, totally. And once the weather kind of cools down a little bit too, it's just been so crazy hot and the fires. Ah, so crazy. It's out of control. I'm actually gonna be heading up to the central coast in a couple of weeks here, which will be cool. And I'm hoping that that kind of all dies down and gets under control. Not for myself, obviously, so. mostly for wine country. It's just like really painful to see. All our yeah. the industry up there, you know, what are you doing cooking wise to kind of, you know, elicit that spirit of wanderlust? What are you making these days? 
So I feel like at the beginning of quarantine, we just started traveling via our kitchen. And I said this, you know, on my book tour and about my book and everything. I think that's such a huge part, even if it's regular times and not everyone has the ability to pick up and travel all the time, you can make something that's from a different part of the world and experience different ethnicity through your kitchen. So, you know, we'll do like, I've been doing these little dinner parties for Thomas and I, and we'll do go to like Greece one night and I'll make some of our favorite food from Greece or we'll do Italian night or stuff like that and just really trying to level up our dinners here at home just so we have something to look forward to and so we've been doing that which has been great like obviously it doesn't satisfy the same like itch I have to travel and like be on the islands in Greece but like at the same time this is what 2020 is and so I think that's the next best thing and it's cool also I just got a cookbook about Turkey and it's been so cool to be able to travel like I haven't been to Turkey since I was a kid and when I was a kid I was a picky eater like I wasn't really it was not my finest moment. Like I didn't eat all the cool foods. And so it's been really cool to cook from that book. It's called Istanbul and beyond. Um, Mm. And just like experience a different culture by way of my kitchen. I love that. Yeah. I've always wanted to visit Turkey. I think like the colors and the spices, just everything about Turkish food is fascinating to me and the culture. Like I love a cafe culture based society and just like all the cafes look so beautiful. I'd love to visit there someday. It was magical. And it was, I wish I was not as picky of an eater as a 14 year old or whatever, however old I was when we were there. (laughs) Yeah. It's okay. What shifted for you? That's wild that you really were able to open your palate up, open your mind up. I was the pickiest eater until I got to culinary school. So I got, I went to college. I cooked for my tennis team before matches, but it was always Italian. We'd make chicken parm and pasta, like carb load before matches. And then right after college, I went to culinary school. And I just remember the second week of school, my teacher looked at me and she was like, you're never going to hack it in the food world if you don't learn to eat food. Like if you don't learn to eat everything. And I was like, well, that's cool. Cause I don't have no intention of being in the food world. I'm just here to become a more competent cook for myself and my boyfriend, who's now my husband. And like, I wanted to learn how to do a dinner party. And then I just absolutely fell in love with food and obviously stayed in the food world. And it just, I, I, it, it was like a personal challenge to me. Like she told me, if you don't learn how to like mushrooms, like you're not going to make it. So I was like, cool, I'll, I'll teach myself to make a mushroom risotto and actually enjoy it and figure out how, the, how to like develop flavor from a mushroom and stuff like that. I did. I, I'm a very competitive person. So I took that to heart. <laughs> <laughs> and you're winning at it clearly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a good way to kind of approach cooking, I think in general, because a lot of us food people, we love like the most exotic, strange, how do we cook with koji? you know, or like, I don't know, just all these sort of interesting, I shouldn't say exotic and strange, but just different ingredients and, you know, sort of wild flavor combinations. But it's like, if you can make it approachable to, you know, even a little kid who might be picky, that's a really good cook, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and I, a lot of the recipes on what's got me cooking on my website and my cookbooks, they all are very approachable. Like there aren't a lot of hard to find ingredients in there. And I do that by nature because, or by design, because I want people to be able to cook them no matter what if you live in Los Angeles or if you live in Montana where there's like apparently burrata doesn't exist there or and anything beyond burrata in terms of craziness is definitely not in existence there so you know I try to make all my recipes as approachable as possible and then when you bring in a, a couple things here and there then you can build out your pantry in terms of more ethnic recipes totally what was one thing that you thought you'd never like and you actually learned to love I mean, fish, mushrooms, steak, um, 
any sorts of different cheese besides like Colby Jack. Like I was the pick. I had grilled cheese and buttered noodles predominantly my entire diet until I graduated high school. Oh my gosh. Wow. You poor thing. (laughs) I'm so glad you got out of that habit. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I still love that. I still make a grilled cheese like at least once a week, but it was, my mom was a picky eater and she just doesn't like a lot of things and she didn't cook them for us. And I was, I don't want to say brainwashed, but like I just did whatever my mom did. So when we'd go out for restaurants and my dad would order pork and steak and shrimp and all these things, we'd all look at him like, you're disgusting. I'll have the noodles, you know? <laughs> so it has been a real 180. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think a lot of it is a learned behavior? I always wonder that. Yeah, I think it's a learned behavior. And I think it's just like a, like a desire to explore the world via food. Like I get a lot of questions from my readers all the time. Like I was a private chef for a number of years. I cooked for a bunch of families with kids and they're like, how did you get these kids to eat all these foods you're making? And I keep telling them same thing to everyone. Like, I think it's just being excited about what you're cooking and getting them in the kitchen and teaching them about different foods and flavors and letting them help you. I think that whole learned experience and being excited excited about what you're putting on your plate is hugely important. Totally. I I know I had a friend growing up and she was a really picky eater as well. And she hated tomatoes, which to me was like, oh my God, like I love tomatoes. That's like the best thing to eat ever. It's just like a ripe tomato off the vine. I was like, well, why don't you like tomatoes? She's like, oh, you know, it's a texture thing. And then I remember a couple of weeks later sitting down at dinner with her parents and the dad was like, oh, I just can't eat tomatoes. The texture is just so disgusting. And I was like, okay, first of all, this girl is like 10 years old and how would she know about the texture? And it was just because she'd like learned this thing and it was, you know, not okay. So yeah, it's wonderful that we can now, you know, hopefully instill that sense of adventure, Um, not just in our kids, but in our friends too, you know, and just kind of break that barrier. It's interesting how much you learn from your parents, but maybe even something like food or politics or whatever, you just, you're such a sponge as a kid, you pick up so much information from your parents and your teachers and the people you surround yourself with. It's impossible to not, not to let it affect you. So it's cool when you can figure out how to make your own decisions. (laughs) Totally, totally. And unlearn that behavior because honestly, Mm -hmm. it opens up a whole new world of flavors, you know? Excitement and adventure, you know, I mean, some of the adventures that I have now are like strictly because of food. I Um, know. Right. I feel like so many people travel because of they want to eat and all the, I mean, Thomas and I certainly do. Whenever we go somewhere, we're always like, yeah, we're going to see this, this, and this, but like, where are we having breakfast, lunch, lunch, number two and dinner? Like it's so, it's such a huge part of our, you know, itinerary. Totally. Totally. What's a place right now that you're really excited to travel to once things open back up again? For food, I really want to go to Singapore. Um, not for food because I'm not familiar at all with what style of food. I mean, I don't even know, but I really want to go to Rwanda. I just don't know what kind of food is there, but I'm very, very curious to go see the mountain gorillas. Yeah, that would be so cool. Oh man, yeah. Singapore, you're in for a freaking treat. That is the best street food in the world. I can't the wait. centers are like, it's like a kaleidoscope of flavors and it's such an interesting international Ugh. influence and the Peronicans and the Malaysians and Chinese influence. It's so good. One day, freaking die. It's Thomas's so brother lives over there right now. So I'm like, we have to go while he still lives there. So like we can get the real lay of the land with people that are familiar with it. Totally. Totally. That'll be really cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite places in the world to eat. And the hospitality is just so good there too. Like people just Asia in general, it's like a very much hospitality driven part of the world, just in the culture from, you know, from street food all the way up to incredible hotels. Like you're just going to love it. Dying oh to go. Yeah, oh my pretty, God. I can't wait. Pretty spectacular. Um, 
What do you think is one of the world's most underrated cuisines or something that you maybe are looking forward to exploring? You mentioned uh, Turkish food, but maybe something that people like, oh God, I really wish Filipino food got some shine or... You know, I don't think Ethiopian food gets enough love. And when I we went to Ethiopia, God, I can't remember. It was probably like eight years ago. I went for a trip with some friends. There's a company called Able, and they work with all these women in Ethiopia and they take them out of the sex trade industry and give them a skill and they learn how to like weave or work leather or whatever it is. And then afterwards you can get a job for Able and you can sustain yourself and your child. They took us to Ethiopia a couple years ago to learn all about these women and to see their lives. And so we could come back and write about their stories on our platforms. The days like we actually went out and got like Ethiopian food, it was incredible mm. and so flavorful. And I know we have like a little Ethiopia here in LA, which I have not explored extensively yet, but the food's amazing. And I, I don't know what it's going to take to get it some more love, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really, it's incredible. I also just love that the visual presentation of it with everything being on the manjera bread. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like this big, almost like a sourdough tortilla, if you will, that yeah. they put all these little dollops of curry on and then you share and you, you know, sop up these curry bits with this injera bread, almost like a roti or something. And it's so Ugh. good. There are different flavors in Indian curry. It's like a different, I don't totally. know they're using. It's so good. I know. It's so good. One of my friends that goes to my gym is he grew up in Ethiopia and we just became friends right before quarantine started basically. And so I never got to take him up on all of his Ethiopian restaurant recommendations here in LA. And that'll be one of the first things I do when this is all over. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I know a lot of them too right now are still doing takeout. And of course it's different. Like some things don't carry well, but um, I feel like I've had um, Ethiopian leftovers from like meals. It's incredible in in little Ethiopia, but you can, it travels really well. It's, it's not the same as sitting there and sharing with a group of friends and eating with your hands, obviously, but but (laughs) leftover darwat, you take that with injera and you make like a chilaquiles basically with it. You just fry it up. So into that. It's bomb. You could definitely, <laughs> what's Gobby that one? I feel like you get approachable. It's real tasty next day. And you just crack an extra egg in there and whew, scramble it up. So into it. She's good. She's real good. Yeah. It's worth exploring. I think a lot of those businesses are really having a hard time right now too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been trying to find one restaurant or one to two restaurants a week that we can go and order from, like pick up, take out from and post about it on social media just to highlight different small mom, mom and pop owned restaurants because it's really scary. I was talking to one of my friends who's a huge restaurateur here in LA and thankfully he has a lot of funding and they have investors, they're fine. But he was like three, three in five restaurants isn't going to survive this. Like this, it's really sad. So anything we can do to support the smaller businesses is rad. Totally. Well, Meals by Janae, I can't recommend it enough. Don't forget right. the what It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, it's crazy to think about. I've been hearing three and five is like a pleasant look. People have been saying 80, 85% Ugh. will make it out on the other end. And it's so just tragic. Like, yeah, we've got to do something. Hopefully those bills will be passed in Congress. I know that there's a motion to make that happen. I just don't know if it'll happen fast enough because it's, I mean, there's only so long you can sustain yourself on takeout. And I mean, I, it's I great that they're doing the liquor takeout. I love that. I hope that stays. Yeah. The outside dining stays is really nice, but. I, the outside dining, like one of my girlfriends is living in New York right now. She's been out there since January. Um, and she said the outdoor dining scene in New York is just out of control. Incredible right now. Also because there are no tourists and there are no cars. So like everyone, like it's just like a neighborhood and everyone's friendly and smiling and not like in a crazy New York rush. And it's, she just said it's thriving. That's a treat. 
It's a yeah. real treat. I, I know. feel like everywhere I've been, even in Thai town, like it feels like a little bit more like Thailand, you know, like feels like a Thai outdoor market or Koreatown, same thing. It feels like it makes sense in LA. So, so I, cool. stays. I really Me do. Too. I really do. I have to say, I've been loving following you and Thomas online for like years. It's the cutest relationship. And I, I'm a slightly envious because I actually had a breakup that happened with working with my previous partner. It was just like, we just didn't see eye to eye. There was so much conflict oh. there. How do you guys do it? And now like adding quarantine on top of it, like how do you... Um, Thomas and I have very different roles. So like he, the things he does, because he works full time at What's Gotta Be Cooking now, but the things he takes on are vastly different from what my day-to-day responsibilities are. So we actually aren't together for most of the day. He's doing all the tech side, email, SEO, video editing, all that kind of cool stuff. And I'm doing a little bit more of the like forward-facing business. A couple times a day, we get together and powwow and do the things we need to do together. And then what a lot of people see is the Insta Live or our stories or stuff like that when we are doing things more together. Um, and it's been great. Like the first four weeks when we start, when he came on full time last June, were like a little rocky. I was so used to working from home alone and no one was in my space and I could listen to whatever music I want. And, you know, it didn't matter. And so it was an adjustment for the first month. But now it's like really kind of amazing because I feel like as far as what Scott B. Cooking goes, if I hire someone, they're not going to care as much about building the brand as I do or as Thomas does because like that's what sustains us. So it's really cool to have a partner on this company now that is just as invested as I am and like is just as crazy about the numbers and watching growth and analyzing what performs well and all that kind of stuff. So it's been... It's been really fun. And he's a ham. Like he was never in front of the camera before this started. In fact, he didn't, I don't even think he liked being on my Insta stories a couple years ago. And now I think his Instagram, what's Thomas eating gets better engagement than mine. Like (laughs) (laughs) I've created a monster. I have created a monster. I mean, he got his first sponsored campaign last year with like a huge financial company. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, what have I done? (laughs) That's fantastic. That's great though. I mean, it's so cool when you can work together like that. And I think sometimes it's a challenge for men too, to let women take the driver's seat, especially in like a partnership like that. That was kind of, that was one of the issues with what happened with me. You know, it's my company, it's my brand, it's my vision. Like you're just going to have to (laughs) know that I, that I know what I'm doing here. So that's really cool that you guys can work together in that way. I think that's a huge thing for a lot of people. Thomas actually came on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and we talked about that. And he was like, listen, like I, Gabby's the breadwinner. It's what it is. Like, and I don't care about that. And I think a, I, in order for a lot of men to come on and be part of their partner's business, I think you just have to be super secure in that fact. Cause you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now and he just came on a year ago. Yes. He's always been there, but like not on a day to day. So, and he's just like super cool about that. And it's wonderful. I feel very lucky. What are some things that you guys do to keep the romance alive, especially now? Because it's like all day, every day, quarantine, working together. We do date nights at home now because we don't go out anymore. Um, We actually haven't done any outdoor dining. We'll just do takeout and stuff like that. Um, so we'll do date nights at home. We'll both cook help or we'll like do, we just got a pizza oven. So we've been doing a lot of stuff like that. We also both make a real concerted effort to put our phones down every once in a while and just like spend time together without like documenting it for stories or like responding to emails or figure thinking about how to create content or anything like that. I think we just both are very carefree people and we don't like to overanalyze anything. 
That's great. I think that putting the phones down is a great idea. Is there like a set time when you're like, hey, we're when we're actually eating the stuff we've just shot, now it's time to shut it down? Or like, how do you regiment that? No, I think it's just like, I, I think both of us can tell when the other one's had enough with someone's phone. And I know like, okay, if we're going to go for a walk tonight, I can just leave my phone at home because Thomas is slightly on edge or I've been spending a lot more time on my phone than with him or whatever it is. I think we both just read each other really well. And I have instituted a rule for myself that I don't bring my phone into the bedroom anymore. Like I put it, I charge it like at nine o'clock before I go shower and then I leave it in there till I get up the next morning. And that's been so nice because I don't like, I'm not just like endlessly scrolling. We can have a conversation or whatever before bed. And I'm not just like deep into my Instagram. Totally. <laughs> oh my God. It's so easy to doomsday scroll these days too. It's like, put that thing down. I should, I used to do that actually. And I noticed I was sleeping a lot better when I, my phone was outside of the room. I think there's something with the, the Wi-Fi and the blue light and everything just being even near you. Yeah. Well, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I'm awake. Like, let me just respond to some emails at three in the morning. And then I'm like, oh, but I look like a lunatic while I'm yeah. doing that. So maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do that. Oh my God. I'm scared in there. I'm like, maybe it's a time zone. I don't know. Now there's no excuse. I'm clearly not in Tokyo. Put it <laughs> oh my word. Jeez. When you're doing date nights now, do you create like a theme for the night? Like how do you create like a, a space, a separate space that's like the space of romance? Yeah, great question. That's an interesting question right now because half of our house isn't furnished. So it's not like we really can create a space, but like Thomas has gotten really into wine recently. So he'll like pick out a great bottle of wine depending on what I'm making. And like, we we don't, we got rid of our dining room table because this room's about to get under construction. So like everything had to go anyway. So we just like eat at the coffee table or we eat on the patio or by the pool or whatever it is and just try and like spend time with each other. And it's less about like creating a moment or setting the table or anything like that. It's more just not watching TV while we eat. And I think just doing that in and of itself is special for us. <laughs> so true. So true. What about, I know that you're the queen of Lululemon. Like, do you make a concerted effort to ever like get dressed up for home date night? Absolutely not. I can't remember the last, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I put on, well, I did put on a dress the other day, but that wasn't for date night. We you're were going fancy. to we were going to meet uh, one of our friends who just had a new baby. So I like got dressed up for the occasion, but I haven't put on anything that buckles, like no jeans, jeans short. And no, I'm going Lululemon's through the whole year and I have no problem with it. <laughs> Straight on till morning. I don't blame you guys. I mean, they make some really cute athleisure these days. I feel like there's just no reason. Like why? Yeah. I, I didn't wear, I didn't get dressed up before quarantine though. Like I remember I would go into my manager's office and we'd have like a huge meeting with the production team and this and everyone would be in there and I would roll in with Nikes and Lululemons and I'd be like, this is who I am. Like if you want to make a TV show with me, like this is what you're getting. So this you might as well see it now. <laughs> yes. I love that. I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the kitchen remodel, because when you described it, it sounded like it was going to be built out perfectly for everything that you're going to do. What are some small things that we can do at home to upgrade our organization and workflow? Cause I love looking at your cabinets. Would you do those organization boot camps? Oh, it's NBA. <laughs> I, so here's the thing. I like to, whenever I do like a big clean out of my closet or my pantry or whatever it is, I like to take everything out and then like reassess the situation. What am I using? What do I not need? What can I donate? What can I get rid of? What's expired? And then reorganize everything. And for me, like I try and do all my spices in one area, all the baking stuff in another area, um, pastas and pasta sauces, like everything needs to have like a family. Um, um, and that's for my, that's for my 
cabinet, like my pantry in the kitchen and for my closet and like my shoes. And I like, I just think organization is helpful, my bathroom, whatever. Um, and also I'm kind of a minimalist. Like I don't want a lot of things in my space because then I always like get overwhelmed. So I think having like a really solid pantry, like I have a post on my site when quarantine hit, like what are the 20 things you need to have in your pantry to basically put together everything. And I try and keep those things stocked at all times. And like, occasionally I'll add to that, but otherwise like, you know, just keep it simple. I think a lot of times we get overwhelmed with how many options are out there and that's what prohibits people from, you know, wanting to cook or whatever. Totally. What's the one most underrated pantry item that you think everybody should have? (sighs) Um, a couple different kinds of, well, no, that's not overrated. Like I think everyone knows to have a couple different kinds of salts. Um, God, Which that's is very great. helpful. It's so true. You need like a finishing salt, one to be baking with, one to be cooking with. Yeah. Salt, kosher salt. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of what's interesting in my, or underrated in my pantry. I don't know. I mean, in my kit, like in my kitchen, we have lots of different like pickled things. We have pickles and kimchi and like olives, like all that kind of stuff to give like things a nice briny finish. Um, I, I use that all the time, stuff like that. Yeah. Same. It's so funny. I actually am constantly complaining. Like I've got nothing in my fridge. I need to go grocery shopping. And my friends will look and they'll be like, what are you talking about? Your fridge is full. I'm like, literally that is all like pickles you know, tahini, like dips, sauces. I'm like, there's no food in there. It's like literally all condiments, but you need them. You need all the, especially the pickles. I feel like that really levels up so many dishes. To that tune, what about a kitchen hack? Like, is there any number one kitchen hack that you would recommend for us to try? My favorite kitchen hack is shredding chicken in a food in a KitchenAid. So you you cook chicken how you want to boil it, poach it, whatever it is, chicken thighs, chicken breasts, and you throw them whole into a KitchenAid with the paddle attachment, and you just turn it on really low, and it shreds it up perfectly. You can do this with pork, you can do this with beef, and then you can use it for like enchiladas or tacos or whatever you want. And it just saves so much time, and no one ever thinks about it. So it's kind of like mind blowing, but really a nice hack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Those little kitchen aids or the Cuisinarts are so helpful. So yeah. helpful. Oh, oh, yeah. like my, my baking mixer. Yeah. You put it in that with the paddle attachment and that's what shreds the chicken. Whoa. Now my yeah. mind really is blown. I was thinking <laughs> Cuisinart this whole time. Damn. Wow. That's cool. I'm totally going to try that. <laughs> It's like time to open, you know, open up the oven and actually do something right now. I cannot. No, it's a, we're on a watermelon diet over here. Like I'm not cooking. It's too much. It's too much. I mean, honestly, like no cook meals are the best right now. And you guys have a really good list of them over there on your website. Yeah, we do. And it's just like, it's too hot. Like it's too hot to turn on the oven. I, I made cookies yesterday and I was like, I like blasted the air conditioning and I made them at 9 PM at night. So I didn't like, I'm ready for fall. And I never am that person that says that. (laughs) Oh, I'm so ready. So brace yourself for this. I don't have an air conditioning in my apartment. Uh, yes. It's the cutest wow. little 1920s Spanish bungalow. La, 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 la. There's no AC. And so, wow. especially right now, like if it looks like I'm dripping sweat, it's because I am. Because I turned off Your all the fans champ. for the audio. <laughs> That's how much I love you guys. Yeah. Take that into consideration. Subscribe, bitches. No, um, <laughs> seriously, like, I mean, it is hotter than Hades. I've got the glow, like, big time. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for coming through. I really appreciate this. I can't wait to see you in real life over at Margarita's. 
Please. <laughs> I know. It cannot come soon enough. So where can everybody follow you? Um, on my website, which is whatscottbecooking.com. And the links to all my social channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook are all there. It's all whatscottbecooking. Perfect. Love it. All right, my dear. Well, cheers to you. Thank you. Cheers um, to you. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> Don't forget to give us a follow as well at Krista Simmons on Instagram and at Fork in the Road Media. We'll see you guys next week.